Sequart presents Judging Dread, 13 essays analyzing 2000 AD's most beloved and reviled character, forward by Matt Smith, interview with Rob Williams, edited by Scott Weatherly. Find out who is the law. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Come on, Bob. For old times, huh? Harley Quinn, nice to meet ya. <laughs> Pardon my French. Fuck those fuckers. That's my favorite Marvel character ever, but you should never meet your heroes because honestly, he's a bit of a dick. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Cat. I am Welcome to Comics in Motion TV and Movie Reviews for media that are based on comic books. What we like to do here is we like to spoil the hell out of everything we review, and so if you haven't watched our choice of the week, then we'd advise to proceed with caution. And remember, with an average podcast comes no responsibility. Today, you'll notice that I am not flanked by the mouth from Manchester, but I am joined by the former citizen from Michigan, the arch nemesis of Florida man and the scourge of ignorance and stupidity. It is the host from Indie Comics Spotlight and Season's Greetings. It is Mr. Tony Farina. Welcome to the show, Tony. Wow. Did you go to Max Byrne 101 for that? That was Max amazing. Max has been teaching me. <laughs> He's the best. Oh my God, that was great. Yes, the scourge of ignorance. I try my best. Thank you for having me on. And uh, I appreciate uh, Chris giving up his chair for this. I know you guys are super busy and he's going on holiday, as you say. Um, yeah. So this is very exciting. I'm thrilled to be here because I've been trying to get us to talk about the choice of the week. Um, and, and I tried to get somebody to argue with me on comics on trial, but no one would. So <laughs> here we are talking about it this way. Well, it should be good. And I think it, it's partially, I mean, obviously Chris and myself are busy, but also we kind of hog all the TV and movies. You know, we've got a great, talented bunch of people. And so we were thinking, well, it doesn't quite seem fair. And so we just wanted to get other people on and just see how that works. And, and uh, of course, we'll have just done Freaky Friday, of course, right. by the time we release this. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be two Fridays show. in a row. Where people <laughs> well, three, because this Friday is the, the day after we're recording this. It's also a Freaky Friday. Oh, sorry. Yes. Right. So Spider-Man 3 is coming out tomorrow as we record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it'll be me and And Jack then you're and the Priya. real Freaky Friday. So actually, right. I, I mean, uh, what it was, we had Spider-Man 3 in the calendar and I really love the the banter. I, I think, I, I'm not sure I quite call it banter, actually, the interaction that Mike and Megan have. And I just thought it was too good. And actually, it's so good. I'm so excited. Yeah, <laughs> so I love basically, that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it won't be spoilers because it'll be released by the time this releases. But yeah. uh, let's just say Megan plays the Chris Phelps role while Mike oh. is trying to play the Dave Horrocks role and saying, well, actually, if you look at it from this angle, you know, it's quite interesting what they're doing here. Uh, and Megan's coming right in with that. Oh, God, it's so shit. <laughs> it's so great. I know. I, I hope everybody loved it as much as we did. I'm excited to get our... Yeah, no, it's exciting. I think this is a good idea and it's inspiring, right? So I'm, I'm hoping you'll do um, 
and a hidden gem. And I'm hoping to get a few other people. I, I think it's a smart idea. I mean, we've all, I think now that we've all established ourselves across the comics in motion universe and we had Steve and Matt show up and do superhero for dummies. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I think this is a great idea. And then that way, when somebody has got stuff to do, it's like, Hey, who wants to jump on and do something? Yeah. And we are all a good, you know, we're the family as we are. So um, this is exciting. I'm thrilled to be here. And I think this is a great idea. So I'm looking forward to, to you shaking it up um, across the, because again, you and Chris are apparently you're, ch- you're challenging Howard Stern for master of all media. <laughs> certainly am but actually tony before we get into our particular choice of the week i want to know at what age were you when you realized that you were a dead ringer for lauren avedon <laughs> last week it was just <laughs> last week i didn't realize it at all it was crazy um i know especially now since i haven't cut my hair in a little while so i'm throwing it out so i can get it cut right before the wedding um yeah, I did not know until recently. Uh, it didn't occur to me at all, especially with that, because his hair has gotten darker as he's yeah. aged. And so now we look and, and he has the exact same beard. So it's crazy. Um, <laughs> it was just last week that I found that out. Always, Jack brought up the uh, John, the Bender thing from Breakfast Club. That's always been a yeah, game for me. Yeah, yeah. But the Lauren Avedon thing is crazy. So um, we talked to our friend Blake about maybe doing a, a, a fake movie movie. Uh, where we like merge American Ninja and uh, <laughs> King of the Kickboxers. Yeah. And I know Chris wants to play Lauren Avedon, but I think I have to. Now. I think you have to. Honestly, I, I saw it on Discord. Yeah. And I had to do a double take because when you first look at the picture, it's tiny. And I'm like, is, why is Tony posting about Lauren Avedon? And I clicked on it and I've got my face right up to my laptop screen. I'm like, it is a little bit different from Lauren Avedon, but not much. And Crazy. then I'd, I'd responded to it, and I, I spoke to Chris later in the day. I'm like, have you seen this picture of Tony? <laughs> so he was looking at it as we were on the phone. He was like, yeah. fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing. Chris had a I little fanboy moment. Like, it was just crazy. over you looking like his hero. <laughs> I know. I didn't know. I, I, it's funny. I just didn't occur to me at all. I mean, I've seen those movies. I watch along. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it just, I didn't see, I didn't think it through. But then especially now, what Lauren Avedon looks like now, it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, apparently yeah. separated at birth, I guess, uh, you know, I got to ha- have a call with my mom. Be like, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. You've got to be asking some questions there. <laughs> but, um, but Tony, for today, we are going to be looking at the 2005 movie, Fantastic Four. And I have to ask you, because this is quite a divisive one, I think. What are your memories of watching this for the first time? Well, I saw it in the theater. I I went to the theater. My kids were four and five. And um, I went with a friend of mine and her kids. And um, uh, I remembered thinking, that was fun. And, um, you know, I've said the time... The the biggest the funny thing is is the biggest star of the movie at the time was actually uh, Julian McMahon right he's because he was Cole from mm. from Charmed and still to this day like I had to remember what his name was because he's yeah, Cole yeah. like we see him in anything like he's on some show now like on some CSI and the ad came on and my wife's like is that Cole I'm like yeah, yeah. And that's who he is <laughs> he's that's who he will always be is Cole from Charmed yeah so he was a pretty big star at the time obviously Jessica Alba was on her way her star was rising and Michael Chiklis was like 
you know, he was he was never really a film star, but like over here in TV, he's still yeah. got a TV show on. Like he's the, he's like David Boreanaz. He's always on TV. There's always something on. Michael Chiklis is on something. So so it was not really. And, you know, Chris Evans was still just the pup. Nobody really knew who mm-hmm. he was at that point in time. So, um, yeah, I remember going because, you know, it's Fantastic Four. So I was going to go no matter what. Uh, so that was my memory of it was seeing it in the theater with my kids. And um, I don't want to spoil too many things, but I enjoyed it enough that I wanted to defend it on comics on trial. So, <laughs> there, I'm, you know, there you go. I, powder, not dry. I apologize. Did you see it in the theater though? Yeah. So I, I saw it. I mean, obviously it was mid 2000s. So we'd already had X-Men come out. We'd already, well, we'd had a couple of X-Men movies and we would seen uh, a couple of Spider-Man movies come out as well. So the Fantastic Four was just another uh, one of those comic book movies. Uh, For me, the golden era of home uh, comic book movies, not home videos, going into the VHS there, uh, of comic book movies really started with that X-Men. Now, Chris and I debate a little bit. He thinks it was with Blade, but I think with it being R-rated, it didn't really set the trend. The trend came later with uh, 2000 X-Men. And yeah, so I w- went to see this at the uh, cinema, enjoyed it at the time, bought it on DVD as well. Really, uh, actually quite enjoyed it. And then I think the second one actually just soured everyone's memory of the first one. It like tainted it in some way. The whole Galactus being a cloud thing, it's as if people remember this movie and associate it with the second one as well. Whereas, you know, without showing my cards too much, it's just a silly, fun comic book movie, isn't it? It's not, right, yeah. There's nothing too deep about it. It's not trying to tell any deeper, meaningful story. It's not too silly. Um, I believe, you know, some of the earlier iterations of the script were, you know, to try and make it like Batman 66 silly. Um, and those are all thrown out and they really held up kind of Spider-Man as, look, this is kind of what we want to do, but with the Fantastic Four. So, so yeah, enjoyed it at the time and, and just think it's got a bit of a bum rap since. And so you say about no one biting, you know, for the comics on trial. I think people, I think this is a bit of a guilty pleasure for some people. I don't think they like to admit that they like it, but, um, you know, they're, they're not going to throw it under the bus either. Yeah, I think that's right. And I have no, I have no qualms openly saying how much I like it. So, and, and I, and, you know, and, and down the line, um, we can, you know, revisit it or, or do it on comic trial. I did not hate the silver surfer. It wasn't as good as this one. Um, but, you know, I still think that the Galactus is a cloud thing. It's an adaptation, right? Mm. I mean, it's an adaptation. So let's, let's, it's not the only person who has tried to do a shot for shot comic book movie has also been shit all over, right? <laughs> Watchmen is also equal. People are like Watchmen is bullshit. I'm like, except for the end where there's not squids, it's a shot for shot reenactment. And so you don't want a reenactment, but you also don't like an adaptation. So do you just not want these things to exist? Do you only want comic books to be comic books? And if that's the case, then quit going to see the movie. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I hear what you're saying, and it didn't all work. It didn't all work. I understand. Um, But that's for a different time. So so I think you're (laughs) right, though. I think that the problem is, is when when you 
when you stink up the place a little bit. Um, it's the same thing with uh, with Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider 2 is so bad, as you guys know <laughs> yeah, all too yeah. well, that and Chris was shocked at how bad Ghost Rider 2, because he likes Ghost Rider. He was chomping at the bit to watch the second one because he, he actually quite enjoyed the first yeah, one. Yeah, and you told him like, how bad it was. Uh, yeah. But I think that's what... But he's right. That first one isn't isn't bad. It's not great, yeah. but it isn't bad. Yeah, yeah. And so... So, but the second one is so stupid, and Nicolas Cage had already turned the corner into Crazy Town oh, that word, you yeah. can't get it off. So, no, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think that makes perfect sense. Um, and we'll, you know, as we go through this, we'll see. But yeah, I don't think it was. This movie wasn't set out to offend anyone. Yeah, yeah, and of course, this is the first Fantastic Four movie that was released, wasn't it? I don't know if you ever seen the the Roger Corman. I love Roger Corman. I'm on, as you know, I've already. Threatened you and Chris with with my pick for next year for <laughs> yeah. VHS Strikes Back is going to be Death Race 2000. I love Roger Corman. Um, I the thing that always bugged me about that Fantastic Four there's a lot of charm and a lot of heart in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the actors really cared. Yeah, they were oh, they were yeah, doing everything yeah. they could do. So I think there's a lot of charm to it. And um, the the documentary as we. Mm-hmm. Makes it even more heartbreak when you find out how how disillusioned they were, and it was all just a scam. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, but this is definitely the first real Fantastic Four movie, and so which is it's one of those things where everybody loves the Fantastic Four, but they have yet to crack the code for a film for it. Yeah, and uh, so I so I think there was a lot of pressure on this one to be perfect. Yeah, and I don't think they were helped really by the Incredibles coming out the year before. So it's the closest thing to the Fantastic Four that we've ever got. Sure. Yeah, and so so close that they ended up doing some script rewrites. So they ended up some of the things they wanted to do in this movie were already appeared in the Incredibles, and so they had to rapidly change some things. And uh, that probably it's never a good thing when you've got last minute rewrites, but. Um, But Tony, I think we should get into the trailer. Let's go. Exposure to a high-energy cosmic storm could advance our knowledge about planetary life. To our future. I don't trust him. We got what we wanted. Just worried about what he wants. structure is changing. It's terrible news. I think I'll get a second opinion. The cloud has fundamentally altered our DNA. That's gross. Reed, look at me. I can't. He's heating up from his core. You don't want to walk around on fire for the rest of your life, do you? Is that a trick question? Come on, am I the only guy who thinks this is cool? What if we got these powers for a reason? I've always wanted power. Victor, you always thought you were a god. Let's not fight. No, let's.
about it. Never do. Why, thank you. So are you. Now, Dr. Reed Richards, a genius but timid and bankrupt physicist, is convinced evolution was triggered millions of years ago on Earth by clouds of cosmic energy in space. And has calculated that one of these clouds is soon to be going past near Earth. Together with his friend, the gruff but gentle astronaut Ben Grimm, Reed convinces his equally brilliant but conceited MIT classmate, Dr. Victor Von Doom, who's now CEO of Von Doom Industries, to allow him to access his space station to test the effects of exposure to the cloud on biological samples. Now, Tony, what do you reckon to the opening of this movie? I think it is leans in hard on the idea that each of these characters are going to be physical manifestations of what they're about to come. So there's a lot of fan service happening here with a stretcher imagination and, you know, like he's a hothead and, you know, Sue's hidden in the corner and you don't see her. And so She's opening, <laughs> right. The opening scene is um, a giant metal statue of Victor. And so, yeah. you know, so it was just a lot of like four nerds who were all in, you were like, <gasps> there were just a lot of, trigger sensors being poked because you're like, oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. Um, so I thought, I mean, I, again, I think Cole, Dylan McMahon, he's leaning in to evilness and he is cranking up. It's almost camp. Um, I, I I have to say, rewatching it this week, I'm like, it's, I'm in. I was all in for the ride right from the jump. How about you? Yeah, it's just fun, isn't it? Again, it's not dark and brooding. Actually, uh, one of the things you say about, you know, shot for shot remake, I actually think 300, if you go back to the Frank Miller 300, yeah, uh, the movie, again, is almost shot for shot, a lot of the character design and everything straight off the page there. But this isn't, obviously, they've created a new, uh, a new script entirely for this. And yeah, it, it just is fun. One of the things that, irks me a bit and I don't know why it's a disproportionate uh, annoyance but when Richards is giving his pitch to Doom and he talks about these cosmic clouds and then within the same sentence I should have written the sentence down but he's talking about these cosmic clouds and he says these can unlock secrets for the human genome and in my head I'm trying to scientifically join those two things up. I'm like, you're going to go to space to study a cloud to unlock secrets of DNA and the human genome. It was as if a child had written a, a, a sort of read Scientific American or something, picked out a few key phrases and thought, well, that sounds science doesn't it? <laughs> and it just, it totally threw me off. And then for the next five to ten minutes i was just 
partially seething and also trying to rationalize how these two things joined up. But but the answer is it didn't. Uh, it, it just sounded sciencey. Well, because comics. Here's the here's the problem with Reed Richards and in the real life, in real world, is in the comics, Reed Richards is the smartest person in the Marvel universe, right? He's he's maybe Tony Stark and maybe Shuri are like right there. And his own kid, later, you know, spoiler alerts for people who've read, you know, 100-year-old comics. But, um, and that's about it, right? There's just a handful of people who are supposed to be able to, because he's really the villain in the Civil War comic, right? Mm, he's yeah, the one yeah. who comes up with the penitentiary and he and Sue have, have words. Yeah. And so I think the problem is Reed Richards, that smart guy works in a comic because there's words. And we can explain it over time. But in a movie, you just have to go, he's smart. So I think what happened was is somebody who's not as smart as Reed Richards wrote the script. Yeah, was like, yeah. What are some words? So I just think it's it's hard to project intelligence. You have to go one of two ways. You either have to go arrogance or you have to go absent-minded professor. And they go that route here because he's a kind of an arrogant prick in the comics. Like Reed Richards shouldn't be mm-hmm. anyone's hero. And they, they didn't want that because like you said, they were going for kind of a more lighthearted Aloof. Yeah. And so because he and Victor in, are in their books are very the same guy. Mm. They're very much, you know, so um, so I think I get what you're saying. But I, I think so just science in movies is hard. You're like, look, we've got 100 minutes. Do you want a science lecture? Or do you yeah. just want like space, the final frontier? And it's like, OK, <laughs> you know, so I hear what you're saying. And you're a scientist and I am not. So I'm willing to let that go a little bit. I think what's interesting is, so I think it was 61 when the first Fantastic Four came out. I think so that's in right. 1961, so they had a, a bit of a misconception is that DNA wasn't discovered until the 60s. It was, it had been discovered uh, years before. But what they discovered in Cambridge was the double helix, the structure of DNA. And that happened in the 60s as well. Obviously, Stan Lee doesn't know any of this. So he is operating up here where he's like, basically, a bunch of people go into space and get superpowers. That is yeah. the, the, you know, that is where the story came from. I actually think they've tripped themselves up by trying to go a layer below that. And like I say, it probably annoys no one else in the world apart from me. It's just it, this time of watching it, it was just like, ah, oh, this sounds so bad. But you're absolutely right that they are projecting their personalities, you know, what they will become in that first 10 minutes or so. Yeah. And they do a good job with it. I think it's like you're always stretching, read. You're, always, you know, it's like, yeah, I think yeah. it's fine um, because. It's the it's the reading of the Fantastic Four that we want. We've always given th- like this idea that they are manifestations of their personalities, and that that cartoon was a little bit that way. It's always kind of been that way. So I think they just again leaned right into it and were like, "Yeah, okay, we're just going to do that." And so there's some fan service. It's um, foreshadowing, and again, it's it's keeping it light. This is a 13 PG 13 here. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is there. Probably a 12. 12, there. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could have been PG. I think it's a really, it's, I think they went into it with, we want little kids to see this movie and buy action figures in mind. And it's really, it's bloodless. 
the scariest, there's very few really super scary things. The villain's not super villainous. He's played a little bit for laugh, like a little bit campy, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so I think that's part of it too, is, is they were writing a script that again, Hey, these kids just saw Incredibles. Let's get them to go see this too. So you have to write at them a little bit and, and make a connection for them as well. Yeah. I'm just looking up now and, and it is actually a PG in the UK. It is. Okay. It yeah. shouldn't be a 13. There's no swearing. John, it's just the Johnny stuff. Yeah. Johnny and the nurse. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so, I mean, what do you think of the casting for this? I don't know how to say his name because it's... it's um, Oh, the, uh, uh, the Welsh chap. Um, yes. Oh, he's from uh, Wales. Okay. Uh, he is from Wales. You, is, is, it, is it said Ian? Is that how you'd say it? Let's call him Ian. So okay. Gruff, Grufford. Yeah, Ian Grufford. Okay, I just didn't know because, like, uh, you know, um, as we talked about the commitments before, the the language of, uh, like, Irish, the language is stupid. Um, mm-hmm. And the spelling is super weird. Like, Saya Bohan is Siobhan. And, like, o- Owen Colfer, the writer Owen Colfer, right? He did Artemis Fowl and everything. His name starts with an E, you know, but he says it Owen. Like, it's E-O-I-N. So it's like, I saw his name and I'm like, is he Owen? Is he Ian? I don't know how to say his name. So anyway, <laughs> um, I, I apologize to all of our Irish and Welsh listeners. I'm not shitting on your language. I just don't know how to say <laughs> I it. Just don't understand um, that. Yeah. I, I just I'll, don't understand the, the spelling. Same. Yeah. So um, I like the. I think the casting was really good across the board. I I I always struggle when Jessica Alba is clearly Jessica Alba, and um, you put her in a blonde wig or you dye her hair blonde or whatever. But we don't believe that she and Johnny Storm have both of the same parents. And it's one line, it's a Mm -hmm. simple line to just acknowledge they can be siblings, but they could have a different mom. Like, and they don't write that in. And so Mm -hmm. um, that bugs me. And it's just one of those things that bugs me. Um, The movie Boyhood, I don't know if you saw Boyhood with uh, Ethan Hawke. And so it's great. It's a great movie. And um, uh, Richard Linklater's daughter is is the sister in the movie. And Richard Linklater is just a white dude from Texas, but he's married to a woman of Mexican descent. And so his daughter looks that looks like she's, you know, has a that Mexican mother because she does. Mm-hmm. So there's not one scene, there's not one line in the movie. We're supposed to think that Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette are the parents of this girl. <laughs> but they're not. And it's easy enough to just have one line to be like, oh, you know, when I first married Mason, he was so good to her and he, you know, adopted her and blah, blah, blah. And then you move on. And so I, that's the only problem. I think Jessica Alba's good. I think she's a good actor. I like her very much. Uh, but it was just like such a weird choice to just not acknowledge it. And then in the craptastic for the um, <laughs> Josh Trank one, they at least yeah. wrote a line to explain how they can be related, how they can be siblings. And it's just a simple thing. But other than that, I love the casting. I think Michael Chiklis is great. I, I, he's a trooper because he wears that. That's not CGI. That's yeah. practical. Yeah, so, yeah. He, and of course, he pushed for that as well because they were discussing about having a CGI, and he, he was passionate. He'd been into the comics and everything, and he really wanted to wear the suit. He and I think the suit looks good. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, yeah. So I think the casting is great. I think Chris Evans is. You're like, oh, I get why you're a star. You charming. Yeah bastard yeah. again i think i think mcmahon is a good bad guy um because he had already set that up i think so again other than i think jessica alba is good so my only issue is just that one little thing like write one line one line of dialogue explains how their brother and sister but to put to, to pretend that she's not jessica alba is silly yeah. you know what i mean it's like 
of course, it's you're suspending disbelief, but you're clearly a different race than your brother. One line of dialogue. That's easy to do. So that was it. Uh, but other than that, I thought it was great. What did you think? I, I thought it was great. Really good. I mean, the, the problem is with the the obvious age gap between Reed and Sue, but that's from the comics as well. It is. Um, you know, it's so... Like, what, 15 years? Is it's it, something like that. It, it's just, uh, yeah, it, it just is what it is. Again, maybe a little bit of a relic of the time. It, it's not nearly as creepy as the original Roger Corman one. Right. Where they where they <laughs> they knew her from a little girl, and then you know that that's particularly disturbing. Um, I, I think I think the Jessica Alba casting is interesting, but you know the I mean she's put in there not for her acting ability, is she? She's there. It feels like to me to be ogled at, and the underwear scene. I didn't know so this bad. until until we started researching it here. The underwear scene came later, after she was cast. I did not know that. So it's like, oh, we've got Jessica Albert. Oh, let's get her half naked kind of thing. And it's just, it's so ridiculous. Because, you know, if you think, when they go to the bridge, which, you know, all this chaos on the bridge, which they cause... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they absolutely yeah. caused. Ben caused. Yeah. 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 She he was trying to do something good, though, to be fair. He, he was trying to be yeah. do something good. Um, and then rather than kind of jump out of the way or everything, he smashes this uh, truck and what have you. A great kind of set piece, though. I mean, it looked great. It's only when I st- sat back and I'm like, hey, you kind of caused all of this. You You're know, totally Jessica did. Alba is kind of, she's getting naked there so she can slip through the crowd. But then the other guys aren't invisible and they just slip right, through the crowd quite easily. Her. You're so stupid. <laughs> and so he can it's just, stretch. So couldn't he just lift them both up over the crowd? Absolutely. And but his the, way over? The, the only problem with that, Tony, is Jessica Alba doesn't nearly get naked. You know, so we need to, you need to be thinking, you need to be rolling with these punches. And we need <laughs> the main point of this scene is to get Jessica Alba almost naked. And so. It's one of those, this is only 2005, but it kind of, it just jars with me a little bit how exploitative that is. I agree. And actually, it's funny because late, there's a scene later, it's funny, that works when they're, when Reed's, they're all at Reed's, they're at the Baxter building and they're working. And mm-hmm. he walked, because he's not used to having them there. Because there's like a throwaway line. And again, this was better writing where it's like, he lives here now. Like that's the throwaway line. Is he lives, mm-hmm. So he's not used to anybody being there. Yeah. So he just walks into the bathroom and she's there and she just goes invisible. And so all you see is the towel. So it's like that quick that work, that scene works really well. That's funny. Um, you know, Chris Evans is shirtless a lot. This is when Chris Evans would still take a shirt off. He doesn't do it anymore. So he's, you know, <laughs> half naked a few times too. So they definitely wanted the storm family to be naked in this. So you get it, you could do it. And then later when she walks and takes her clothes off and it's like, there's just a trail of clothes. So, there was some better reasons for doing it. This mm-hmm. scene made no sense other than, and Johnny, her brother's standing right there. And he's like, oh, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> so it just, yeah, it was it was a little lech. And I did not know that, that they waited until it was her cast to make her do that. And she wasn't like, meh. She wasn't a big enough star then to be like, yeah, I'm not. Well, no, like say that it's not as if they didn't let her know. The scene didn't exist. or She didn't undress. Uh, in the scene 
it was like she got cast and then it was like, oh, right, okay, let's adjust this script yeah. a little bit here. So I have to say it's a great point on Chris Evans as well because he does spend a lot of the time with his shirt off. And he sure does. I think, I can't remember what else I saw him in. Um, it was probably after this, but before he was Captain America. But I remember watching this and thinking... Losers. No, it wasn't, it, it wasn't Losers either. Um, it was some kind of space... Some kind of sci-fi, and he ends up being frozen. Um, I'll have to look as we are discussing it. But um, I remember thinking at the time, this guy is so good-looking. He is so charming. He has got a body to die for. What a bastard. I hate him. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, yeah. So as, as you say, he was just clearly star quality. Uh, straight off the bat, it, it was very clear. Yeah. yeah, the only thing I could think about where he played, where he was a guy who who gets cold. Um, Is it the, Sunshine? Uh, oh, see, I didn't see Sunshine, so I know Jack will probably quit listening now. I know he. I'm pretty sure he loves. That I movie. think it's Sunshine. Okay, that's a space movie for sure. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, so so now he's he was very good in it. I th- I thought. Chickless was good in it. Um, Ian, I'll call him. <laughs> I thought That's he was good now. in it as We're well. Sorry, and, sir. That's not your name. And I think I I don't know. As you say, Cole. I mean, he was in Nip Tuck as well, wasn't he? I, I just mm-hmm. never buy him as Victor. I don't think he's the worst Victor that we've seen because uh, we saw worse later. Um, but yeah, in terms of the cast, I, I thought they were they were as good as we've seen on the screen to date. Yeah, I do too. I think, I, you know, again, I think because they all wanted this. This was something fun. This was, you know, like you said, Michael Chiklis was really pushed hard to do this role. And like you said, to make it practical. And, um, you know, and, and again, it's a risk because you're like, Evans is a nobody and a bunch of TV actors and Jessica Alba. That's what you made. And you're like, we're going to make a yeah. movie with that. Um, and Tim's story wasn't, you know, well-established mm-hmm. yet. Um, he's gone on to do, I think, some pretty good movies. I like this, but he, his... Uh, his shaft is really good. I don't know if you ever saw his. his I haven't shaft seen movie. that. No, it's good. I like. So you know, it's um, it, the one with Sam Jackson. There's two. He, there's uh, yeah, two shaft yeah, movies yeah, with yeah, Sam Jackson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. I, I think I think there's just it was. I think it was a good to be um in in scene. It was very cosmic the way that it all came together. It just worked really well, and uh, I I have no complaints about any of their performances. I think they mm-hmm. gave exactly what they were supposed to give. And I get what you're saying. Like you don't necessarily believe Cole as, as Victor. He's a little too handsome. He's a little too polished. Mm. Maybe and that's part of the problem. He, um, but I also think he gave, you know, he camped it up just right. in this version of Victor, that's the problem too, yeah. is you have to go, well, that's what, who this is. This is mm. this version of it. Cause this isn't how Victor is Victor. Like, you, you know, this isn't canon. Mm-hmm. So um, although they kept this version of it for the new craptastic for our movie, which was super weird too. It's like everybody shit on that last one. So let's keep that same thing where Victor's <laughs> there, you know, just uh, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot. I like Stanley's cameo. What did you make of Stan's cameo? Oh, it was great. He was the mailman, wasn't he? Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, this was really when he he was hitting his stride, wasn't he, with the cameos. This is when I think it really started to become a thing. We'd seen him uh, in X-Men. We'd seen him in the Spider-Man movies as well. So 
you know, it's just par for the course. And so probably after this, everyone's expecting it then. Whereas at the time, it's still like, oh, there's Stan Lee, you know. And I probably remembered his voice more than anything from like the, the Hulk cartoons in the 80s. Right, right. And stuff. He would do the voiceovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So no, that was that was great. And I mean, what, what did you reckon to how they got their powers? Because this is a kind of origin story 101 mm-hmm. isn't it and then when they go into space again very faithful to the uh to the comic book really you know they're going up get hit by cosmic rays um actually it's funny you know watching event horizon the other week there is almost the identical scene with uh ben Grimm, and he's trying to dive and hit the airlock and i was like huh i just watched that a couple of weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> Event Horizon was obviously 97 and a very different tone of movie. But, you know, so seven, uh, eight years later, you know, they're they're doing this one. So, no, I I thought thought that was was done really well. Yeah, I did too. I think it was uh, the thing about this that holds up that scene. So you feel like the the times when you think it's going to look really bad. Mm -hmm. Ben Grimm, when Reed is stretching and the cosmic ray scene. Like, because you know, like doing the invisible stuff, you know that Johnny has to be CGI. So you're like, yeah. okay, I- I'm prepared for that. So these are the three things you're going into it thinking are going to look bad. And I think they all hold up really well. I think um, you 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 do so much storytelling in the way that Victor reacts by like, we're closing it out. And, you know, he doesn't care about Ben. Mm-hmm. And, 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 the, and the setup that Ben's the only one who calls her Susie. So you don't have yeah, to know yeah. anything. It's like they are friends. It's legitimate. So... The thing that I love about that is it is is that sets the scene for the rest of the movie where Victor's an asshole. We already kind of had a looming sense who builds a 70-foot metal statue of himself. But, yeah. you know, you see it all. I think they all handle it well. Chris Evans, who's a dick the whole time, you know, to he, he and Ben, and that's, that's canon too, you know, they're, yeah. the way they banter. But you see him also be a great actor, be like, he turns and he's genuinely concerned. He's like, come on, yeah. come, you know, so... So I liked it. I thought the tension was real good. I don't think it was super scary, though. Again, if you had a five-year-old there, which I did, it isn't super scary. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's action-packed, heart racy good. It didn't go on too long. This movie doesn't go on too long, which is one of the bonuses for it. Yeah. It, yeah. it knows what it is. It's an origin story, like you said. We're gonna spend a lot of time with them, not with their powers, which is okay. Um, but yeah, you know, I thought it was great. I loved that scene. I think again, I think everybody gave it the raw. I can't get over on this rewatch how committed everybody was. Because you know, sometimes yeah. if you watch something, you can tell like any Bruce Willis movie from the last yeah. twenty years. You know, Bruce, you're like before oh. you said Bruce Willis. As soon as you said <laughs> what led up to that, I was thinking Bruce Willis. Like he's been <laughs> sleepwalking through the last decade, hasn't he? But people keep want to pay him, you know. So good luck to him. But you know, it's. it's it's been a long time since he really committed to a role. Yeah. Yeah. The last, he did a movie, a movie with Ed Norton, actually, called Motherless Brooklyn. He's not in oh, it very okay. much, but he, it's his bit part. And, and it was something that Ed asked him to do. And he wrote and directed it. And there was a passion project for him. So he goes all in and that, but it's like 10 minutes. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's the last time I've seen him try in a long time. I cannot remember the time, the asteroid movie. So, uh, Armageddon was that 90 yeah. late 90s, wasn't it? Maybe yeah. so, but it's just nice to see actors go like believing in themselves, and you can tell the yeah. difference. And so, I really was impressed by 
by the passion that was just there on the screen. So I loved yeah. it. I, I thought that I thought it was great. I thought it was a good setup. Of course, you know, hand wavy science. It's like flux capacitor, whatever. I'd rather <laughs> yeah, have yeah. hand wavy science that makes science people mad than again a movie that explains the science and does it wrong. I, and honestly, the, the the thing that threw me was just that Reed was hoping to <laughs> unlock secrets of the human genome from the cosmic rays. I can get behind cosmic rays just <laughs> did give them superpowers. That's it. That's all all I need to know. But um, I, I do have to say, I do think Chris Evans is the standout star. And what oh, I yeah. think they do quite well here is they give fan service to the fans. But obviously, there's lots more people that are going to watch this than comic book readers. Um, but when they've kind of come back to Earth and you get Ben's point of view, don't you? And he's talking so to Johnny smart. Storm. It is brilliant. And they're teasing and teasing because we all know as fans, it's like, oh, he's going to be the thing and he's going to go nuts. And then you see, and it's Michael Chiklis and Johnny Storm's been winding him up the whole time. I just thought that scene was absolutely brilliant. And again, just brilliantly delivered by Evans. Yeah, he's he right. You, he's so natural. He's just so good. I mean, a movie I saw with him not that long ago, um, it's called Gifted. And it's where he's like the he takes in his niece. Did you see that? He's so it's like totally grounded. It's him and um, mm-hmm. Octavia Spencer and this little girl who's a great actor. And I can't think of her name. Just a real small movie. He's really great. He's always given it his all. Mm-hmm. He, he's charming. And you believe, I don't know his relationship with Michael Chiklis, but you believe they've got a long history. Yeah, yeah. And he's an absolute dick to him. All Always. the time. Because <laughs> Michael and he used loves to be it. his... Yeah, Ben used to be his commander. Yeah. And now it's the other way around. So he's like, huh? Uh. So it's like a little brother type of relationship, isn't it? I'm just going to enjoy getting the digs in every which way I can. Yeah, it's great. I think it's great. I, I loved it. Um, yeah, and that, that moment too. And I had forgotten. It had been a while since I watched it. So in that moment, I bought it again. I was like, all right, yeah. it's going to be the thing. And I was like, all right, it's not. Oh. <laughs> and I knew it wasn't going to happen, but there it was. Yeah. yeah, that was a great fake out. And I think when they're discovering that they've got powers, I do think Johnny Storm is the best character because like you say sue kind of you can get she's shy and she's having dinner with reed and she kind of disappears and he's like oh i can't see you and and she's feeling like she's ignored by reed all this time but um you know i I like the i can't remember which order but apparently chris evans did um ad lib a lot of his dialogue and you know when he's when he's out surfboarding and uh you know he sort of sets off on fire you know ends up flying he basically homemade jacuzzi kind of thing and he's like care to join me <laughs> you know and you get the nurse and she's uh she's putting the thermometer and she's like oh you're hot it's like why thank you so are you yeah <laughs> you know, he just has some brilliant brilliant lines of and just playing that absolute dick but that's just it. He he comes, he I was just gonna say, he definitely plays a dick, but he's charming about it. He's oh, not yeah, lecherly. Yeah. Like, yeah. so he's like, Vic, so are you? And he doesn't like pat her ass or anything, you know, and there's yeah, no yeah. gross. Like, you know, because that's an easy thing to do. Yeah. He could be the guy who's, you know, always hitting on on all the women. But there's even a line right before they jump out of the helicopter to go, he's like, my future wife. Because she was like such yeah. a badass and jumps out of the copter before him. He's like, yeah. what? So, you know, you can see like he's a good guy and he is just playing around. And he 
he, because you know, he doesn't, he's asking her out and everything, but he's, if she had said no, he wouldn't, he would have just left. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. He isn't, there's no creepiness to it. So it, it shows he's straddling that line of almost like a, an old timey, um, you, you carry Grant. He's got that presence. Like he's just so charming. I can't yeah. get past how great he is in the scenes. Cause, cause I think in a different actor's hands, you'd be like, ew. I think, you know, um, you know, my daughter mentioned a, a phrase the other week. Um, I think so, someone, we were driving by the supermarket and this this woman just walked out in front of my car. So I had to slam on the brakes. She just wasn't pay, paying attention. And my daughter said, oh, that's okay, because she's got pretty privilege. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never heard that before. And I'm like, Oh yeah, but it is. Yeah, you're right. It probably is a thing. So I think if if Chris Evans wasn't so charming and good looking, he probably wouldn't get away with it. But uh, you know, he is, so he does. <laughs> it's totally true. Yeah, and we get to see as well, don't we? You know, this is where we get an interpretation of Von Doom. You know, Doctor Doom, and and. They kind of continued that, like you say, for the 2015, where the, you know, it's almost like Cable. I don't know if you've read Cable yeah. in the X-Men. So he's, he's almost got this techno-organic virus as opposed to Von, as opposed to Doctor Doom, where he's got the, you know, he's just encased in metal, isn't he? He's proper old school man in the Iron Mask stuff. 100% so, is what he, yeah, yeah. Yeah, again, it, it at this point when we see his descent that's where i'm thinking oh yeah this is i think this is why i don't love this movie mm. i think they don't get the villain right in my opinion i hear that i think you're I, I, that's there's that's valid i think the thing is they need to if you're going to have victor be the bad guy mm -hmm. he needs to be a match for them oh yeah and and again you only you want to make a movie that's under 2 hours so you can't get into the battle of wits. There's a few throwaway lines. Again, there's a it's a pretty well-written script in some places. In other, it's like just throwing another line. Well, like the thing where he's like, Well, I could never compete with him. He says, mm -hmm. you know, I'm gonna take another thing that he wants. And he's talking about um Sue at the time, gross. Yeah. She's a person, but you know, of course, that's where he's thinking. So there are some of those lines. We know that again in the comics, he's a match of wits. Mm -hmm. He's as smart as Reed, he's a yeah, scientist yeah, yeah. in his own right. And so they don't do that here. So I think the reason you're going his, like, I think Cable is the right explanation of the right comparison. Um, I think they go that route here. So that he seems to be a match for them. That it's going to take all four of them because he's just mm. a guy in a metal suit and you don't mm. really understand him. Then why wouldn't, why wouldn't they just one of them, one of their powers would be a match for a guy in a suit. The reason mm. he's not in the comics is because he's smarter than them. He also dabbles in sorcery as well, doesn't he? Course, so it's sure. not just the science. He kind of mixes both worlds. So, yeah, I, I, I can see that. And actually, just as you were talking then, I was thinking, well, actually, if he was a guy in a suit, three years later, you had Iron Man. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that would have put a, um, would have made things more difficult for Marvel to do an Iron Man movie. If you'd already three years before, had a guy in a metal suit fighting the Fantastic Four, and now you've got a hero in a suit. You know, because Iron Man was really a, a second tier character. I loved him in the you know 
in the 80s and stuff reading the comics and there was the cartoon you know i'd liked him with the rollerblades and stuff you know? but yeah yeah but yeah so i don't know i still think the best on-screen representation i've seen of dr doom is the roger corman fantastic four yeah <laughs> And actually, you mentioned about Doomed. I still think the actor who played him still seems to be under the impression that will be released one day. <laughs> it's on, I don't know why he thinks that. They all I think don't that. know either. Yeah. 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 No, I well, I think because in that, because it was Corman and it was just a little cartoony, they leaned into the big green hulking figure of him mm -hmm. and you know the hood because in this like with, with cole puts the hood on almost like yeah. as an after that's like fan service where in the roger corman one it's like that's who he is yeah yeah straight off the page isn't it yeah yeah and i think and i get it i yeah I think, but i i just think you need to power him up if, if you're if you're trying to get the casual fan interested in this why would some guy in a suit be a match for the thing Mm -hmm. Why would a guy in a suit be a match for a human torch? Well, we need, yeah. we need to explain that. And so he needs to have a power set that it takes all four of them to beat him. So I just think it was, we're going to ride around it. We're going to get there. You know, and I think what makes people mad is when you, when you play with canon like that. But again, mm. Batman 89, he kills the Joker. Well, he doesn't yeah. kill him. The Joker falls off the building. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, yeah, fans are forgiving. They are, and and they can always reboot as well, can't they? And and so mm -hmm. write them way out of that. I I think what what they've done post two thousand and eight with the proper Marvel Studios is they've changed the canon for lots of different characters, you yeah. know. And but what they always carry on with is they always seem to maintain the essence of the character, and so they modernize and change, tweak a few things. You know, like empath in Guardians of the Galaxy. I know that's not one of your favorites, but you know she's human. But they've made her an alien, and mm -hmm. and it's fine. It, it all still works. I, yeah, I think. Yeah. It, I think it's when they just don't quite get it, and I I don't feel like they've quite got Doom right here. No, I think you're right. I just don't know if anybody has. I think I hate to say it because I don't necessarily want my villains to have their own movies, but Doom needs his own origin movie. Yeah, for it to work correctly. What you need to do is make, and again, I know somebody who knows John Watts, so maybe we can just whisper this out into the universe because John <laughs> is going to do the new Fantastic Four movie. So I'll tell, I'll tell Gail. But what they need to do is in the new Fantastic Four movie, Doom is not the bad, bad guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, have it be the Submariner, you know, have it be, you know, because he's an anti-hero anyway, and there's that whole weird thing with him. And like, I don't know what you're going to do. But I would say don't have Doom be the bad guy have Victor be in it somewhere if you want to do a different or, but I think he needs not, maybe not his own origin movie, but he needs time for his baddiness to develop over time yeah. so that fans actually understand, not, not comic fans, but movie fans understand the magnitude of his, of his power. So you're either going to have to give half the fantastic four movie to just explaining to do doom, right. Or give him his own movie. So that, so I'm on the fence there because I don't like villain movies necessarily. I know you guys love Venom. I did not care for that movie. Though. I thought Tom Hardy was giving it his all. I was like, what is Michelle Williams doing in this movie? Like, I don't <laughs> understand what is, how did you get her to stand around? Like, I don't understand. Um, like that movie didn't work for me. I think Tom Hardy, again, is super charming. He's charming and he's having a great time. 
as Venom. So that comes that comes off the page, off the screen. But I just I'm always on the fence about that. So, but I think don't, what do you think? Do you think that's why we can't get a Doom right because you don't want to dedicate a whole movie to him? Possibly, and I think it might be one of those because we got the Disney Plus series now that something like Doom, you do need need to explore in maybe a series or something like that. You know, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that in Doctor Strange, you're going to have Wanda probably going to be the vision, yeah. uh, the vision, the villain. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think, and that has happened over a long time. She kind of started out as a villain, a little bit like the comics, really. Then yeah. she'd been on the side of the righteous, and then you can understand why she is where she is and i think it's probably the same with doom isn't it and i don't know if you you've ever read the the ultimate line i mean they they finished them off this was joe casada's kind of uh, attempt at rebooting the marvel universe and it, basically modernizing it all and uh in the ultimate universe reed ended up being the villain and so really? uh, yeah that's I actually really quite like the Ultimate Universe. I'll have to check that out. I've not read all of the Ultimate Universe. I've read bits and pieces, and I know a lot of the cinematic universe is based on the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's where Miles comes from. uh, Yes, yeah, that's right. So, because Peter Parker had died off, um, and a lot of ideas came from there. Um, You know, the whole thing around, you know, like the Hulk coming out of the Super Soldier Serum, sort of experiment and, and initiative and whatever. So, so yeah, there's some really good stuff in there. And you do see that, you know, Reed is walking that line of being villainous. So you, you're absolutely right. They, they haven't got Doom right yet. But generally speaking, Marvel's done a pretty good job uh, since 2008 on, on their own properties. So I, I am hopeful, more than expectant, that they're going to be able to to pull this one off finally, but um, well, I think they're giving him a lot of time. You know, it's not <laughs> they're not rushing it. Um, yeah. yeah, So I, I agree. I, you know, and I hear what you're saying. So in the big, my question for you as I was rewatching it is there is definitely a lot of um, standing around. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 Johnny Storm is funny and charming. Let's stand around and do science. Let's go on a date. Let's stand around some more. Here's Julian being evil. So do you think, do you think, what do you think of the pacing of this? Do you think, I mean, it's already a pretty quick movie. Do you think mm-hmm. it's the, my one little nitpick? I mean, there's a few, you know, it's not a perfect film, but one of my nitpicks is like, maybe it should have been even 10 minutes shorter and then a tight 90 instead of a hundred. Mm. What do you think? I thought it was absolutely fine. Um, yeah. I think there are people talk about pacing. If, if you've got like big action scenes and then there's a bit of dialogue you know, and people giving you exposition and stuff. But I, I don't know. I think, you know, like myself, you're a child of the 70s, aren't you? So we had lots of slow movies. Then. <laughs> so, we did. Uh, people yeah, yeah. Sort of standing around talking. Yeah, uh, that's just what movies were, wasn't it? So I, I think it's absolutely fine. I think it, yeah, it possibly could have been a bit shorter. But then you get some kind of quiet moments with Reed and Sue, don't you, where they're kind of you know, having their tender moments and, and you're seeing that relationship blossom when clearly they've had a past and, and split up before. So yeah, I've, I've no issue. I, I My biggest issue, I think, with this movie is probably Doom, the way he's 
portrayed and and probably it set a trend for having lots of crappy marvel villain portrayals uh for the next decade and a half or so and also just some of the some of the science as i said before uh with the whole human genome thing but the the other one that i think is even more glaring than that is when they're testing their powers and everything and you've got Johnny Storm and he's in the little container and then, they, you know, he's ramping it up, ramping it up. And they say, oh, you know, you, you're up to however many Kelvin. And he said, it says cool. And he's like, no, no, not cool. That's, that's the temperature of the sun. And I'm like, but he's in this little tiny container and you managed to put him out with this foam stuff. <laughs> Are you actually yeah. saying that that foam could put out the put sun? Put out the sun, yeah. <laughs> if you had enough of it, sure. Yeah. And of course, it, it comes off as a little bit of a funny scene. He's like, yeah, got it, you know. Yeah, but it's sun like, is bad, yeah. Come on, it can't be that hot, can it? I mean, it's still in the middle of New York there. It's, it hasn't blown up New York. So, yeah, I, I think, no, but those are, are on the borderline of nitpicking. I think probably as well, the the final act you know the big showdown i thought it was a, it was a handy uh or not handy but quite a clever way to neutralize reed you know by freezing him by yeah uh, it was all set up too again so this yeah. is really smart script writing where it's like they do some showing not telling mm-hmm. where like he picks up a heat missing sickle a, yeah. a heat seeking missile you see him grab a you know you see it you see it and mm-hmm. so it's it's there for you to see so yeah i thought that was clever i don't necessarily care again this goes back to a little bit of a mustache twirling baddies like what happens to rubber when it's frozen yeah. like, okay <laughs> properly hammering it up um yeah but yeah and and i mean you certainly get that don't you in the uh, climax when um when he says to doom you know well what happens to metal when it's heated up and then cooled and then you yeah. see it and it's you know just sort of a hammy line but um no I, th- I think i think it was still good though i still oh no i do too really no, I do. And, it. It, and so for me the the 10 minutes you know i'm thinking about it the 10 the 10 minutes i want cut are the victor stuff i think that's what it is like him and his weird lackey and stuff yeah. like that so i think i think you're right because because you need to spend time with ben because ben is is one of i think he is up there with he's one of the most sympathetic characters in all of comicdom and mm. grim and so his heartbreak scene where his girlfriend dumps in like that scene i think you needed and then when um uh later carrie washington shows up and she's all into him and everything you know so i think yeah. those were nice so i think maybe that's it maybe the 10 minutes you needed is and i think as i'm just thinking about it because that was my thought i was like why is this feel it's tight it doesn't feel too long, but it's like, but what, there's something that drags. And I think now that we're talking it through, it's the doom stuff that drags. Yeah. I, it does make me laugh, Ben's girlfriend, though, because obviously she sees him and she freaks out, runs away. And like you say, that's one of the reasons Ben doesn't have these cool powers. He can't, t- he can't flame on and turn his powers on. He is this big rock monster. Um but it's the thing that jars with me a bit is what is she doing on the bridge? Why is she on the bridge? <laughs> it's just ridiculous that she's there. And, you know, it's it's a bit of a dick move as well to drop your engagement ring on the floor. And he's that that is heartbreaking though, isn't it? Where he so tries to where pick he's it trying up. to pick it up and he, his fingers can't pick it up. So the the logic to get you there is ridiculous. 
Um, but it does sort of pay off, doesn't it? Well, because you could have done it different. You could have done it in a different way. You know, she could have seen it on TV and then mm-hmm. left the ring at the back. You could have done the same thing. She knows where he is. He's at the back yeah. building. Everybody knows they don't have secret identities. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I did. It, like, why is she here? Like, that was super convenient. <laughs> um, but again, I still come back to I. I think um, I. Yeah, you know, I really do think it. It was good. I, mm. I enjoyed it. I think the final set piece was was nice. The way that they. Um, have to work together, which is always the whole point of the Fantastic Four. They're a dysfunctional yeah. family, but they they love each other. And so the only way they can beat Doom is to work together. So again, I just feel like it just didn't Doom. I it comes back to Doom. You're right. I mean, and again, I don't I don't mind his performance as much as just I don't know. He 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 felt a little too generic. It's Dr. Doom. He yeah. should be scarier. I don't know. But I, again, I I I couldn't complain if I weren't talking to you about it in this way, I would have watched it again and been like, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, I think one of the earlier stories I remember reading with Doom in was Secret Wars in, sure. uh, was it 86? I think it was it was around mid-80s, wasn't it? And It was their answer to crisis. Yeah, pretty much. Well, it, it, the whole point of it was just to sell toys. Sell toys. It? it was basically, <laughs> let's get yeah. all of our most popular characters and we got all of our villains and all of our heroes and they were pitted against each other by the Beyonder. Um, but a couple of things stood out to me then because up until that point, I, I'd just known Magneto as being this villain and the Beyonder put Magneto with the heroes that's always stuck with me, uh, and I think that was really smart. Even though, you know, the the point of it was to sell toys, you've still got really talented writers kind of inputting. I, I know Jim Shooter did it, but I'm sure he had lots of input as well. Um, but the other thing was everyone else is cowering at the power of the Beyonder, and they are like, holy shit, this heavenly being who's just with the snap of his fingers summoned us here, whereas Doom is like, I want that power. That yeah. power has to be mine, you know, and I'm going to step over Galactus even. A- anything, I'm going to figure out a way to get that power. And and I think that shows just how single-minded he is. And and also, you know, he's villainous, but to the people of Latveria, where he's from, um, you know, he's, he's a hero. A hero. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, I, I do think you're right. Ultimately, it's a short movie, but... They probably have to just somehow knit him into a series where you can see these, uh, you know, even make him sympathetic, you know, make him like a Reed type character. And then he just kind of walks down the wrong path or whatever he does. But it has to be a longer form of storytelling than just a hundred minute movie. Right. I think what might have worked is I'm, as we're remaking, if we're going to remake it, and I think. You, your opening credits, you open this with them going to space because Dr. Doom already exists. You mm-hmm. just Kafka it. Dr. Doom's a bad guy. He exists already. We don't get a backstory. He's villainous. He's mm-hmm. this big monster thing. Meanwhile, Reed and his band of, of misfit toys go to space. And so you're kind of, when they come back with these powers, they're going to now, that we've got the power to stop Van Doom. Where it's mm. like the whole, so if you already just have Van Doom as a villain without explaining his origin, again, we can we can understand bad guys are bad, and you can do it like the old 
movie, you know, where it's like the movie way where it's like a newscaster is like Victor Von Doom is a giant yeah. goose, whatever the thing is. And then you, so if he was just already established as a villain, then, mm-hmm. then you're, then you don't have to work him in. They, it's a fantastic four movie. And they're now that they're heroes, they can fight this bad guy. And so even mm-hmm. when they're up in space, it could be like, you know, Ben and Reed, like, Oh, that doom. Can you believe he's blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And whatever. MacGuffin, MacGuffin, MacGuffin. So we just already have him be a bad guy. And then I think the rest of it would work because we're spending a little bit of time making him all be a bad guy. We're having to watch his descent into madness instead of him just already being mad. That might work. Because in, in Thor, yeah. Loki's just a dick. Yeah, yeah. And the we, other way to do it, flipping it on its head, would be to already have the Fantastic Four as the heroes. Um, that would be great and too. actually you see more of Doom's descent because that's that's part of the problem isn't it you're actually trying to watch the origin story for the heroes and the villains at the same time and then in the third act they have to have a bit of a showdown bit of a coming together whereas if you could give yourself room to breathe with the other guys are just there the, the Fantastic Four are already there they're already rock stars everyone knows them loves them um and you can play around with Doom's story a little bit more. There you go. I think we should be hired. I'll, I'll send. I'll, I'll send a thing out. I'll send a thing out to the person I know who knows John Watts, and we'll see what happens. Awesome. Maybe we'll 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 get screenwriting credit for the new Fantastic Four. No, I actually think that's really either way it would work. Yeah. It's kind of like you go back to Superman the movie. Lex Luthor is just already Lex Luthor. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so either way, yeah. But I enjoyed it. I, I'm thanks for. Thanks for saying yes to do this. And uh, when you were put the call out, who wants to come on? I was like, ooh, ooh, I, I want to, I just needed an excuse to go back and watch it. No, no. And I'm, I'm glad we did. And so what I think we should do is we should go into our final review. Absolutely. Now, Tony, as the guest, I know Max does this the opposite way. He always lets the guest have the last word, but I'll, I'll let you have the first word. Sure. Um, I enjoyed it more. Just, I loved it. I, 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 I just had such a good time with it. I just thought every performance was excellent. It's, again, to just see people care about doing a movie, that they know what it is. Um, it honestly, you mentioned the Batman 66 thing, but it actually makes me love the performance that every time I go back and rewatch Batman 66, Adam West <laughs> knows what he's doing. Oh, you know, he does. he does. And the original Star Trek, they know what they're doing. Like they, they know. I yeah. mean, so George Takei was, you know, he's a, he, he and Shatner both have theater degrees. They know what yeah, they're doing, yeah. you know? So you can see them trying. The earnestness is there. And so this movie is full of earnestness. It's fun. It's You can take a five-year-old to it and not have to worry that, you know, he or she is going to leave in tears. Um, justice is served. The bad guy doesn't die. So you're setting up sequels. So for me, it was fantastic. Um, before I came in, I asked my wife, who also loves this, these movies, um, uh, what she what she would give it, I gave her the scores. So we both agree. We're both on the same page. We are both putting this <laughs> into Atlantis. It's not perfect. It's not an Asgard, but it is an Atlantis all the way. I will revisit this sooner rather than later. I, I would recommend anybody who's like on the fence about superhero movies, 
if you've got a wee one and you're like, well, what's a good superhero movie I can show an eight-year-old, this is it. You're not mm-hmm. going to stress anybody out. Um, and there's no nightmares. It was just delightful. So I'm glad I'm glad we said it. So maybe that's divisive. Most people are like Atlantis, really. Well, it's, it's right at the, it's not the penthouse of the Baxter building, but it's almost there. <laughs> I think if I was to grade on a bit of a curve, I would possibly agree with you. I do think, I say about the golden age for comic book movies being, or or the current one we're in starting around 2000, but really it does almost cut off at 2008 as well. I think it shifts gears then, you get Iron Man coming out, you get Dark Knight coming out, and it suddenly elevates to a, a higher art form, I think. So this, I think, suffers. But if I was to look at the context of 2005, I'd probably agree with you there. I think the point about showing it to younger kids as well, I mean, mine are a little bit older now. So my youngest is 11. So I'm I'm at the point where I'm quite comfortable showing him 12s and stuff. Um, But this is actually one of those that I was quite comfortable years ago showing to them as well you know i I thought it was one of the few uh, the last remaining pgs that we've got uh everyone seems to shoot for that pg 13 and 12 across in the uk um and probably conversely from what i was saying before about you know i think people think of this movie in a worse way because of what came after I think going back and actually watching it and just embracing the fact that it's just fun. It's just a fun comic book movie. It's about that dysfunctional family, um, you know, and the interactions. I do think Chris Evans does steal the show somewhat, but I think Michael Chiklis was good. Um, You know, Jessica Alba is just Jessica Alba, um, you know, and and so I I do think... The story is quite tight as well. There are some silly bits in there as well, like say the the fact that the Fantastic Four are basically uh, terrorists on the bridge, you know, causing all this mayhem. But no, it, it is just a lot of fun, and I will definitely watch this again. This isn't one that I'd kind of put away for years and years and then revisited. I probably haven't watched this for maybe two, maybe three years, but it, it's it's been fairly recent. So for me, it's going right in the middle. It's going to into Hall of Justice. But if I was to say just about how much fun it is, it probably would be pushing Atlantis a little bit and the 2005 thing might push it up there a bit. So so I absolutely get why, why you're putting it there. But no, I'd say to people, if they haven't watched it, definitely watch this one over the Josh Trank 2015 <laughs> version. Craptastic for that. I don't they didn't know what they were doing. And Josh Trank has said that he lost control. Um yeah. so I don't know if there's going to be a release the Trank cut. I'm not oh interested. Um I'm not interested. The the yeah. um, was it Jamie Bell who played Ben? And I think Jamie yeah. Bell's a fine actor. I mean he was Tintin, right? He's good. But like it just didn't work. Um because he was just a CGI monster and it was stupid. And I mean, what four good actors? I think those oh, are those yeah, four yeah. good actors, yeah. and you wasted all of that. I mean, Michael B. Jordan can do whatever he wants. Yeah. If he said yeah. I want to be Batman, they're like sold. And if he said I want to be Superman, which he may do, they're like sold. Whatever. He is a star. He's gonna write and direct and star in the third Creed movie because he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. What a waste. Him as Johnny Storm, it was like he was the perfect successor to Chris Evans, honestly. Mm-hmm. It was like, and you just shit all over it. It was just made no sense, that movie. Oof. Yeah. 
No, it was pretty bad, wasn't it? And and it, again, the whole Ben Grimm thing. I think they had it with Michael Chiklis. Like he he was just Ben Grimm. Um, I do like in the Roger Corman uh, version that uh, the fact that when Ben changes into the thing, he gets smaller. <laughs> like the actor who was playing. I don't know what happened there. Bigger. I don't understand that the special effects didn't work. But um, no, no, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I, I definitely enjoyed it. I'm glad it, this has been on the list for a long time and we just never prioritized it. So it's been really good to go back and, and discuss it with you. Now, Tony, where can everyone get you? And what is it you've got coming up? Oh, sure. So, well, I am obviously on the Comics in Motion Network. Um, so I've got Indie Comics Spotlight and uh, Season's Greetings. So Jack and I just finished up season one of Season's Greetings. We finished binging Buffy and we're going to do a wrap-up show. It'll be out before this. We're recording it after this. Um, and then during our wrap-up show, we're also going to record a future episode of this show where we talk about the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. And it fits because just like you guys did Star Wars and fighting with my family, you're like, they made comics later so we can count it. So yeah. we're going to count it because um, Buffy has had several iterations of comics in Mar um, in both Boom and Dark Horse. So we're mm -hmm. going to talk the original 1992 uh, Buffy, which I'm excited. I saw that one in the theater too and watched it again recently and loved it. So I'm excited. So Spoiler alert. So that's what's coming up. <laughs> and um, if you, I finished my novel. So I'm, I'm uh, my second novel in two years. So I am uh, editing that. So fingers crossed, somebody will want to buy a Jane Austen adaptation, a modern day retelling of Mansfield Park. So that's what I'm working on. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Tricycle Bluebox, or you can go to my website, AR Farina, and send me a message there and see the things that I've got going on. And most importantly, um, of all of those things, I was just on the Thrillcast. I was just on the oh, 2018 cool. Thrillcast. J Julian and Scott and I were on there because I've got an essay in their book. So yeah. you should go buy that book about Judge Dredd. So that's all cool stuff. Absolutely. We'll pop a promo in at the start of this as well. Um, so you've also been going back to the original Detective Comics number 27, I haven't have. you? So yeah, how, yeah, I how has that been going? Well, I'm almost through the first... Edition. So uh, on Hoopla, they have the, the DC Golden Age have been reprinted. So it's like 400 pages. Mm -hmm. So it's in chronological order. So I'm reading from the original Detective 27. And then what happens is you get to Batman 1 and then they just drop it in when it would be. And Batman was just a quarterly at first. So it was like Batman 1 wasn't a monthly. It was like spring. And there were a right, bunch of right. stories. So it was like a big 64 pager. So you get like 10 Batman stories in the first Batman. So first appearance of Batman yeah. or Joker, Catwoman, you'll just, uh, is really bad. That's an icky, icky scene. Um, <laughs> right. The first appearance of Catwoman. And so that has been fine. I'm almost through that first bunch. I'm like almost to the first world's finest where mm -hmm. it's the first time Batman and Robin and Superman appear together. And uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to go because they're free on Hoopla and I'm just going to go through it. So I'm I think I'll probably record little some things. I don't know if I'll where I'll drop them if somewhere just like maybe 20 minute thoughts on on that. So that has been interesting to know Batman and Robin's origins have not changed at all. Right. And I, I honestly, I, if they appear as like a pop gorillas thing, I, I'd be really interested to listen yeah, because maybe what they are. Yeah. Yeah, so some of the images that you posted just on our Discord, so I thought crazy. were fascinating. You know, the fact that he was quite 
liberal about killing, it seems. The fact that, you know, carrying guns. Yeah, just casually, there's a blimp in the background, which, you know, I just associate with such uh, because Batman is around, you know, Bruce Wayne is around now. And and he's there with a blimp, you know, just in yeah. the background. It's it's just in my mind. I'm trying to reconcile that, even though I know this is all stuff from 1939. It yeah, doesn't quite marry up in my mind. But um, no, it, it's, yeah, it it's must really, be really good. Fun. Yeah, I'm actually I'm in 1942 now. Um, and the most interesting thing, the interesting note is Batman uh, Bruce Wayne had a fiance, and that is the character that El McPherson plays in the Batnipples movie. Um, and oh. that's who she is. That's the character. Right, right. Oh, Isn't there that you crazy? go. Who knew there was such a deep cut in Batman and yeah. Robin? <laughs> yeah, that's it. it the, the, um, yeah, he had a fiance for about a year or so um, in detective comics. And um, and then she ultimately, she's an actress. And it's mm-hmm. when the, uh, the Clayface, the original Clayface is trying to kill her. Um and it's crazy. Is I had no idea. I didn't know about her. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Hugo Strange is the first baddie. Mm-hmm. It, it, um, it's it's really pretty fascinating to go back. I mean, some of it's pretty bad. Um, so <laughs> there's there's the the quiet or Papa Spank is what he says. Is he? Right. Is he? It's ish to Catwoman. Um, but then he also is like in love with her badly. <laughs> so it's really weird. Uh, it, it is. I really enjoy it when it's all done. I think um, I'm going to try to, you know, do 80 years and maybe like six months. And then I'm going to go back to um, Uncanny X-Men one and do it again. Oh, you know, when you're doing that, you you have to give me a heads up. I I don't nearly read at the pace that you do, but I'd be interested to go back. Um, I've, I've been through that first, let's say, 20 a few times just for nostalgia just to go through um and and you realize actually what a great job claremont did oh because he he, uh, stanley created the characters and and again a lot of the origins and everything are are there but in that first x-men i mean magneto is just a mustache swirling villain there's no depth to him at all and gene's not that powerful no i mean she really is the 1960s girl in quotes marvel girl is her name yeah but she's a bit useless and pathetic isn't she you know so she's just, bad. Uh, all the guys are just ogling at her you know and scott is whining about his chronic shyness and <laughs> yeah. oh, it's funny though to know fun. that they finally outed bobby which you know you can mm-hmm. so it's interesting to go back and i'd be interested to go back and see when were those seeds planted? Can you can you retcon it to Stan Lee's X Men that Bobby was in the closet, or is it mm. only when when Claremont has him and makes X Factor? Is that what it is? So it'll be interesting. I'm just going to do the uncanny though. I'm not going to like X Factor and all that. That's a different thing. I'm just going to start with yeah. X Men One, the 1961, all the way through the Claremont stuff, and see see how that goes. That will probably take longer than the Batman stuff does, just because yeah. of the Claremont. You know, because the amount of words read. on the page. <laughs> but it's I like, think if you, I think if you ignore each time you see, you know, Wolverine and he's got his adamantium claws and you know he's got an adamantium skeleton, each comic introduces you to the powers and stuff. So you could probably you can, visually skip over all that stuff. That's probably true. Yeah, because it's all on Marvel Unlimited from from one. Oh, it's brilliant. I love. I still think. I mean, Hoopla, I guess, is great if you're in the US. And 
but in terms of like a paid subscription, I still think Marvel Unlimited is is outstanding. I think the DC one is coming out over here. Uh, yeah, it's the same soon. price, seventy nine. Yeah. It's still a great deal, but because most of the DC stuff is currently on Hoopla, I don't need that yet for yeah. this Batman project. I may get to the point probably when I reach like the sixties and seventies when I'm mm-hmm. in the uh, comics code stuff. I'll probably need DC Unlimited uh, or Infinite for that stuff because I don't mm-hmm. think it's all there. Um, and then once I get back into the, obviously the new fifty two to current is all on Hoopla too, so I may need to like a year of DC Infinite to catch up there. But um, it's cool. It, the, those uh, Golden Age and Silver Age stuff, there's like all the Teen Titans from mm. the beginning, all of the Wonder Woman from the beginning, all the Superman. So it's just a cool um, look at it. And it was just Matt and I were talking, uh, Matthew Lloyd, about, you know, it's like, I just, it's hard to keep up with everything. And I was like, yeah, yeah. sometimes you just want to go back and start from the beginning. So I was like, yeah. no, I'm going to do that. So yeah, yeah, I could get burnt out. My wife is like, I'm showing her pictures. And she's like, are you sure you want to keep doing this? Are you gonna? Are you gonna hate it? I I don't know. I, I it seems like such an interesting experiment to me because, yeah. like I say, when you put it in the context of 1939, I mean, when I think of 1939, I think of uh, Nazi Germany invading Poland, you know, and the the whole context, you know, as as the UK, we were just getting sucked into the Second World War. So the world is history at that time, but the characters I see as present. And so I think it'd be really interesting to go through and see those different um, commentaries on just society at that time. It's like a little time capsule, isn't it? Yeah, and, and right, because it doesn't change. They're not editing it. All of the ickiness is there. And yeah, um, like, you know, there's a line where it says Batman thrusts his pole between this guy's legs. And then the caption says, Come and get it, big boy. I'm not even making any of that up. So it's like, okay, all on one, all right there. They use the word queer a lot. Queer meant odd. Right, right, okay. So they say queer a lot, and not in an offensive, not in a don't get it. Even though that scene about come and get it, big boy, is there. They don't mean it that way, but it's like funny with queer theory in my head. I'm like, ooh, I'll just slap some queer theory on this, and look, it's all here. You're saying queer over and over. But yeah, they just mean odd. There's even like the newspaper headlines where it's like, Queer new villain. You're like, okay. Right. <laughs> but in 1941, it just means strange. Right, right. That is awesome. Well, yeah. Tony, it has been a tremendous amount of fun. I really appreciate Thanks. you coming on and and uh, we could indulge a bit uh, and not shit all over, certainly, the Fantastic Four. So, guys, if you want to contact us, you can email us at comicsinmotionpodcast at gmail.com. You can also get us on social media at comicsinmotionp, both on Twitter and on Instagram. And we always love a five-star review. If you can pop on there and drop us one again, or if you're uh, significant other leaves their phone lying around, drop a review there as well. It's all good. We, we're not proud. <laughs> well, Tony, I, this is around about the time I normally, or not always, but occasionally throw Chris under the bus. I am not going to do that to your good self. But all I'll do again is just thank you very much. And I will, I owe you a, um, a hidden gem indie comics. I can't wait. I've got a couple of things in mind, um, but we'll sort that out at some point. So thank you very much, sir. No, thank you. I had such a great time. See everybody next time. Bye now. Excuse me, I'm Eric Lynch. James Xavier. Go fuck yourself. What in the ass? Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? I always ask that of all my friends.
just like this. Let's not stand on ceremony here, Mr. Wayne. Would you care to step outside? Come to me, son of Jarrell. Kneel before Zod. Why so serious? Let's put a smile on that face. I am Iron Man. I'm Batman. And me? Whoa! Hey! 